So, so what's you, our plan? Um, I'm going to watch you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to do anything, let me know. Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm always good at interrupting. So. Oh, okay. So if you ever need an interruption. <laughs> okay, interruptions are welcome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because then it's more informal, it's more relaxed. Yeah, that's good. So, um, maybe we should introduce each other. You went to school in Berkeley? I did what for year? Year? some time. What year? It star I started there in... Mm, <laughs> 1969. Oh, my God. <laughs> Krishna Maharaj started University of California in Berkeley in 1969. And Mahatma Das started University of California in Berkeley in 1969. <laughs> what else do we have in common? <laughs> We're going to find out we live we both, two, two blocks away from one another. We, <laughs> we both joined the Hare Krishna movement. And when I was in Santa Barbara many, many years ago, I got to sleep on his bed because he wasn't there. So any, any um, Shakti I have now for renunciation came from sleeping on that bed. <laughs> well, that would have been a few years, many years later. Yeah, that yeah. was like the 90s, I guess. Would have been 1995 or yeah. early... 1996. My first year as a brahmachari, I used to have nightmares that I was back in university. I think we Serious, all had seriously, seriously. Yeah, we we all had we all had nightmares of having to. I had I, sometimes I had nightmares that I had an exam coming up for which I was absolutely not prepared. But then. <laughs> Fast forward many years, finished all these degrees, and then did some teaching, university. And then one time I had a nightmare that I was, I had to give a lecture, you know, to undergrad, to students on some topic for which I was totally unprepared. <laughs> I had that nightmare mm. too. <laughs> okay, shall we talk about nightmares? Please share your best nightmare. <laughs> your best nightmare. Material, material life is a nightmare, yeah, right? Exactly. What's the Polish word for nightmare? Huh? Koshmar. 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 You okay. never hear that statement. Some devotee came up with a statement. The 
the worst day in Krishna consciousness is better than the best day in the material world. You've heard that? Now I've heard it. <laughs> and Prabhupada said, material, uh, spiritual life may be difficult, material life is impossible. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So I vote for spiritual life. How about you? Yeah. Sounds like a plan. <clears throat> okay. Um, we made, speaking of plans, we made a plan. We're going to talk about Govardhan. I don't know why. Why would, you, why would we speak about Govardhan? <laughs> oh, I know, because we're right here at Govardhan, isn't it? Yes. Um, so I'll maybe put out an idea or two or three, and, um, and then we'll take it from there. So, how's that? You want me to swallow the microphone? Uh, okay. Well, as I was uh, saying yesterday to Mahatma Prabhu, we, in our group, started to speak about a really wonderful article by His Holiness Bhaktivigyan Goswami Maharaj. Um, do you know who is Bhaktivigyan Goswami? Yeah, very wonderful, very thoughtful devotee. He's uh, leading an amazing project on the other side of Govardhan Hill. Sometime you might consider having them take you there and show you what they're doing. Because oh. it's really something, it's really something because it'll give you an idea of what could be done <laughs> uh, by, by devotees, by Srila Prabhupada's disciples, by followers of Srila mm. Prabhupada. I can tell you some more about it later. Mm. Um, he wrote a, 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 an article uh, which comes in uh, Madhavananda's special journal, Sri Krishna Katamrita. Uh, which is dedicated, devoted to the subject of Govardhan Hill, the best of devotees. So he wrote an article called The Mountain of Love, or Why We Worship Govardhan. You may say, well, I don't need to know why we worship Govardhan. I know why we worship Govardhan. Uh, but if we were to ask you, I don't know, what's, we might get a variety of answers. Uh, and, of course, we can think about the initial resistance that Nanda Maharaj had to worshipping Govardhan. You know the story, I'm sure. It's uh, recounted uh, in the Bhagavatam, Canto 10, chapters 24, mainly 24 and 25. This part is in chapter 24, and then it goes through 25, and then actually it's also including chapter 26, um, maybe chapter 27. Um, Nanda Maharaj was hesitant. He was doubtful. He was um, 
Yeah, he, he, he was giving reasons. What was he giving reasons? What sort of reasons was he giving for uh, their worship of Indra, which he was preparing and which Krishna was questioning? Well, he was saying, we always do this. Um, have you ever had that as an answer to anybody questioning what you do? I always do this, or we always do this, or we always did this. It's not maybe so prominent in Western culture as it is in Indian culture. Indian culture has much more uh, this idea that we do it because it's always been done like that. And when you ask something like, why? <laughs> you get the same answer. We've always done it that way. <laughs> so Krishna is challenging this. And what I found uh, as a possible way of uh, sort of framing it, what's going on in terms of what we might uh, be more or less aware of in the West, is this... Uh, supposed binary, the supposed uh, dualism, duality between spirituality and religion. Whereby, as you may know, uh, surveys have been done of people asking them, what, are you religious? No, I'm not religious. Are you spiritual? Yes, I'm spiritual. And so they have a category now. It's probably kind of official in sociological circles. Uh, spiritual but not religious. People say, I am spiritual but not religious. You've heard that before? Yeah. So it strikes me that this is a, one way of thinking about Govardhan Lila. Uh, the Bridge Basis, at least we can say the Nanda Maharaj and the elders who were arranging for the Indra worship, they were being religious. They were religious. They were following, yeah, we, we can also, of course, use the word Dharma. They were being Dharmic in some sense. Uh, and Krishna's questioning that, and his questioning, as uh, Bhakti Vigyan Goswami points out in this article, is really about a, a, a crucial point about uh, the necessity of getting it right with who you're worshiping. <laughs> the utter necessity. Now we kind of take this, we, we may say, well, I, I know, I know who to worship. <laughs> I've been listening to enough classes of Mahatma Prabhu <laughs> and reading enough of Srila Prabhupada's book so I know who is proper to worship. But imagine this, the residents of Vrindavan didn't know who to worship. They were completely 
uh, convinced that they should be worshipping Indra. Um, now, the, the, the upshot of this uh, is it's not about worshipping this god versus that god, right? <clears throat> it's something much more than that. Because as Maharaj explains here, worship of the wrong person, the mis, uh, mistake, doing, making a mistake in the matter of worship, he says, uh, turns out to be very costly. He says when one chooses a speculative object of worship, this worship will enslave him. This worship will enslave that person. It will turn him away from God, dry out his heart, and corrupt his soul. Now we have a, a long tradition in the West we have a long tradition in the West of religion which is very keen to uh, avoid and to condemn what is called, in English, it's called idolatry. Uh, what do you call, what's idolatry in Poruski? Ooh, yeah, huh? Idolatry. Idolopaklovska. It's the same in Croatian. Yeah. <laughs> we learned something. Um, so there's big, big, big issue about this in Western religions. Uh, it is strongly condemned. And yet, and that's an, another point that Bhaktivigan Maharaj is making, is there's all kinds of idolatry going on in the West, in the whole world now. Idolatry in the sense of people worshipping all kinds of uh, things, of images, of all things temporary, <laughs> you know, worshipping money, worshipping. Have you noticed when you go to a big city, what are the tallest buildings in that city generally? Yeah, skyscrapers. What are those skyscrapers? <laughs> Huh? Banks. They're banks. Huh? MSC. Oh, multinational. Right. MN. Okay. Yes. Multinational corporations, which are basically all tied up with banks. And what are banks? They're places that used to uh, be places of gold. 
Now they don't have any gold, now they just have numbers and numbers in computers. But they used to have gold. Even in our lifetime? I don't know. No. No, they knocked out gold about after the Depression, and then Nixon knocked out silver. Oh, he, yeah, um, so <laughs> it's been a while. Nobody knows, nobody sees gold or silver. Um, anyway, the point here being, of course, that this is one of the places where Kali resides. And the broader point being, this is idolatry. This is, uh, this is actually what is uh, enslaving. And quite literally, because <clears throat> you know, we always say slavery has ended. Um, you know, we can say in, in America, we like to say, yeah, they uh, stopped slavery in whatever it was, 1865, some, some official thing. Uh, but actually, uh, they stopped it on one level and they introduced it on another level. And that level is that everyone is indebted to the banks. Everyone's just to get a, a, a roof over your head. Uh, you spend a good portion of your life paying back a debt uh, to the bank. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get back to Govardhan. Why do I keep changing the subject? You're just thinking about money. That's it. That's what's going on. I knew it. Uh, that's the problem. It's good to have a good association to straighten you, to straighten you out. It's so embarrassing right in front of all the devotees. He says, mm, so he's coming again uh, to this uh, discussion that uh, little Krishna, how old was Krishna at this time? Seven years old. What does a seven-year-old understand about performing of, you know, complex rituals for an invisible divinity? That's why Nanda Maharaj didn't initially feel inclined to reply. Uh, to, to Krishna uh, when he was asking him. Um, but he, uh, Maharaj here is summarizing. He says, do you think well? Did you think well before starting your ritual? What is the point of worshiping Indra? By worshiping him, you only increase his pride. What do you want from him? Indra won't be able to change your destiny. because he himself is subservient to the law of karma. This world is ruled by the law of karma and not by Indra. Ooh, those are fighting words. <laughs> Dangerous words, revolutionary. Krishna is the original primordial troublemaker, cosmic troublemaker. But by serving and worshiping him, you give him the most valuable thing that you have. Not ghee, not fruits and flowers, 
but your heart. Are you sure that he will appreciate your gift? Are you sure that he won't appropriate your heart for himself and trample over it? Or do you simply want to bribe him? Every bribe humiliates the giver and corrupts the one who takes it. So he's saying, <laughs> if we make this kind of oversimplified contrast, religion versus spirituality, he's saying your religion is in danger of uh, humiliating yourself and corrupting the one who receives your worship. So what he's um, getting at in this uh, article is what is real religion? Savai pung sang paro dharmo. He doesn't quote that here, but Savai pung sang paro dharmo yato bhaktir at hoksha jay. Yayatna superseded. Yes. It's constant and unmotivated worship of the Lord. And here he's explaining how it's, it's very nice. He's weaving in this very nice point about how hungry Krishna is for devotees' love. And this is uh, embodied in how the Lord manifests in this giant form on Govardhan. Once the Rajabas, uh, Rajabasis, Rajabasis, uh, you see in Devanagari, it's written around Brjabasis. Um, once they're convinced that, okay, let, yeah, why not? Let's worship Govardhan. That's what Krishna wants. Okay, let's do it. Why not? Then they all make a big festival. They make the Anakuta. Uh, piles and piles and piles and piles and piles and piles and piles of Anna. And, and then the Lord manifests, Govardhan manifests in this sort of monster form. People will accuse, oh, the, these Krishnas, they worship a monster. They worship a god who is half man, half lion. They worship a god who is a fish. They worship a god who is a giant tortoise. They worship a god who is a giant, what else? Hog. Hog, boar? Hog, yes. They worship, <clears throat> they worship a dwarf. <laughs> and they worship this mad wild man who runs around with an axe. What kind of worship is this? This is worship of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is hungry for unmotivated love. What is that? It's, it's practically inconceivable. Unmotivated love. It's, it's, 
it's such a challenge for us to separate our motivations, isn't it? Uh, from doing. We, 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 we have something almost programmed in us. Okay, I'll do that, but what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Hmm. So Bhaktivedanta Maharaj says, the essence of real religion is to give God our heart. What's the essence of real religion? To give God our heart. To do that, one has to learn to be genuinely selfless. Selfless service and love we learn by serving our spiritual master, great devotees, the Tulsi plant, the cows, Brahmins, and Govardhan. <laughs> this is the most sub subtle science. Yes, Krishna is greedy. Krishna is greedy for love. Uh, greedy. What's what's greedy in Croatian language? Glada? Okay. Sounds like glad. No, like glutton. Glutton. Gluttony. That's I'm it. Glutton. Okay, glutton. I'm a glutton for love. A glutton for love. Sounds like a good song. Uh, good. We've got a we've got a line. We've got a song title. A glutton. <laughs> glutton for love. <laughs> do, do, do. Yeah. So um, greed. Um, this is the most subtle science. Yes, Krishna's greedy for love, but his greed doesn't make him indiscriminate. His greed can be satisfied only by the purest love. And in order to learn how to love him purely, we take shelter of those whom Krishna loves. Sri Guru, the Vaishnavas, the cows, the Brahmins, Govardhan. And he says, finally, of the one and only personality whose love many times exceeds his greed. And he doesn't name that person, but we might know who he's talking about, especially, I think, yesterday evening you visited, was it yesterday evening you visited yes. Radhakund? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so all of this is, is what is the message. It's, what's, it's what Govardhan is about. Srila Prabhupada once said about deity worship, he said, you think, you think these hundreds of thousands of people who are visiting temples are fools? <laughs> Today we, we went to Varshana and we visited the um, Larlilal temple, Shriji, and it was packed, you know, uh, completely packed with and the people were there patiently waiting uh, for darshan. And they were all just waiting, waiting, waiting. And when darshan, then everyone just goes, as we say in America, everyone goes, bananas. 
translate, translate that into Polish. <laughs> Takes explanation, huh? She's trying, yeah. Okay, these are a few points. Now I, I just want to add, and then I will turn it over to the, the Mahatma. Um, just want to share with you, it, it's something I've been appreciating the last few evenings we've been hearing a uh, very sweet kirtan of Manas Goswami. He's one of the Radharaman Goswamis. You know him? He's young, young uh, Goswami, very, very talented singer. We've been having kirtan. Um, and I think he's coming this evening also, so... I don't know what your program is, but... Uh, Coming where? Here. Oh, when you come here? Yeah, we could have a... Uh, yeah? What time? He's been coming around 7.30, I think. Uh, but uh, is he coming? Uh, anyone know for sure if he's coming? Yeah, yeah. So then uh, we can ask him to sing this one bhajan, which... <laughs> I get a real kick out of it's a it's a brajbasa bhajana and I'll, I'll give you a taste of this from the translation uh, because I find it uh, expressing a wonderful kind of inclusiveness of Krishna consciousness. <clears throat> uh, just to give you an idea of the. Rajvasa, it goes, each line has a kind of repetition, but it's Jisadeshame, Jisadeshame, Pariveshame, Raho, Radharaman, 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 Kaho. So, whichever country you live in, however you dress, whatever culture you may adopt, just chant Radharaman, Radharaman, Radharaman. And all the verses start out like this. Whatever, the next one is, whichever holy place you may live in, whatever work you do, whatever name you go by, just chant Radharaman, Radharaman, Radharaman. Whatever joys you experience in whichever association, however you live your life, just chant. Radharaman, Radharaman, Radharaman. Uh, whichever Ill, illness you may have or whatever pleasure you may live in, whichever path you follow, just chant Radharaman, Radharaman, Radharaman. So it even include, includes uh, this. Just rogame, just sabogame, just yogame, yoga. Whatever yoga you do, just dehame, just gehame, just snehame. Whichever type of body you have, whatever kind of house you dwell in, whatever relationships you have, just chant Radharaman. Like that it goes on. I have a recording here. Oh, okay. If you want. But I also have it. <laughs> but it's, it's nice to have it live and to, oh, he's sing, yeah. to sing along. Um, yeah, I, I want to tie this back to Govardhan, Govardhan Leela. 
For me, this is also what this Govardhan Lila is about. It's Krishna inviting all of Braj, everyone, uh, to take shelter because Indra is upset, so he's doing all this uh, theater with his uh, destruct his his cosmic destruction clouds. So Krishna, in this utterly gentle way, and and um, graceful way <laughs> he lifts the hill makes it like an umbrella like a you know as light as a mushroom and he says okay everyone come and everyone first of all he's involved everyone in the worship which was not I'm sure it was not the case with the Indra Puja that would have been a specialty job of the uh, of the Brahmins but for the worship of Govardhan he gets everybody Come, make make offering, and he doesn't he doesn't tell everyone you know first he doesn't tell them anything like okay first you have to bathe then you have to chant Gayatri um, then you have to first you have to be initiated oh <laughs> he doesn't make any conditions he says everybody come make your offering and then he invites everyone. And before that, he says, okay, now feed everybody. He says, feed the Brahmins until they start laughing. <laughs> he likes to see the Brahmins happy. He likes to see everyone happy. Uh, feed the dogs. Feed everyone. And then come on. And they come in and uh, they relish the presence of Krishna nonstop, day and night, for seven days. So that, seven days and nights. So that's kind of, uh, I think, the spirit also of this song. Hare Krishna. I said my bit. She has a question. <coughs> she has a question. Or a comment. Anandita Rama Devi. She's just been initiated a few days ago. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Uh, Guru Maharaj, ähm, ich habe rausgehört, dass ähm, jeder, äh, der was bekommt, wird, äh, äh, wie heißt das, korrumpiert. Wie äh, ist äh, zu bewerten, die Bettler am Govardhan oder überall halt, wo wir hingehen, gibt es viele Bettler. Ist das auch so zu betrachten als eine Art von Korruption? She's asking whether, uh, I'm not sure if you're saying whether the giving of uh, alms to the beggars or whether you're saying is it the beg are the beggars is this corrupted uh, corruption, or both ways? I'm not sure which way you're saying. Both ways. Is it a corrupt exchange? Is that what you're saying? Mein derjenige, der gibt, hast du gesagt, der ist erniedrigt und der bekommt, der ist, der wird korrumpiert. Aha. Yeah, that's. Uh, 
Yes, okay. Mm. Well, it's all about motivation, isn't it? It's all about motivation. Uh, the context, what we're speaking about here, uh, is a worshiper who says, or who is thinking, give me, give me, give me, to a superior, to a god, to a divinity. And that is corrupting, it's degrading the person who is um, doing that worship, and it's corrupting the, the recipient of that. Uh, worship. I wouldn't apply that quite to this sort of economics that goes on here, uh, but there's a, a there's a kind of it's it's kind of a it's a mixture of things. On the one side, because it's the holy dumb, everything has to be seen in that light. Uh, so one of the first things we're uh, told about doing when we have parikram in the holy dham is be very, very careful not to offend anyone. Now we could say, well, every time that I'm not giving some coins to these people who are begging, because <laughs> how much can you give? Uh, there's thousands of them. Um, wouldn't this be considered off offensive? Well, uh, I hope not. <laughs> the way I see it is one, uh, as one is uh, sort of not giving, <laughs> one is, however, internally wishing them well. And one actually f tries to feel like that, wishing these people well. Let them be, let them be prosperous, let them be, uh, let them receive what uh, they should receive, and so on. So that, I think, puts us in the right, the right mood. Uh, having said that, Shilabhakti uh, Siddhanta Thakur, or am I mixing up with Shila Prabhupada, um, said that it is, no, I think it was Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur who was annoyed uh, with some of his Grihasta disciples who were not giving charity to beggars. He was saying, Grihasta, you should be giving. And correct me if I'm wrong, Prabhu, I think Prabhupada said, if a beggar is standing, then you give them something. If they're just sitting, you know, it's sort of like... <laughs> then you don't have to give. But if they're standing, then you should, you should give. But we just came from Varsana. Whew, how many beggars were there? How many, you know, they, they all sit in a line, hundreds of them. Does that help? Okay. So... Uh, yeah, please. Hmm. A few, I can say a few, a few things. So for those of you who don't know, you would assume that Govardhan, 
Gobardhan means the go, the cows, expanding the cows. You would think that Govardhan is part of Vrindavan. It's a mountain in Vrindavan, but it's not. It's a transplant, right? So, originally Govardhan was a mountain in the west part of India. And there was a sage who was there named Pulastya, and he saw the mountain, and he wanted to take the mountain to... Kashi. And he asked the king, where it was in a place called Almali, and he asked the king if he could take him. And the king agreed. And an agreement was made by Govardhan that I will go, but you can't put me down. And if you put me down, that place I will stay. So it's interesting that when they were traveling, I guess flying, right? Seems like it. Some mystic power flying with them. This mountain was much bigger. And Govardhan saw, came over Vrindavan and he thought, this is where I want to be. I don't want to go to Kashi, I want to be here. So he arranged that Pulasta would have to answer the call of nature, and in order to do that, he'd have to put a mountain down. And he must have forgotten, or Krishna made him forget. And when Govardhan reminded him that you put me down, he was really angry at Govardhan, you know, even though that was the agreement and he cursed him. But it's interesting. Govardhan is not part of Vrindavan. He came. And when he saw Vrindavan, he said, this is where I want to stay. So that's one explanation of why Govardhan is here. There's another explanation, because when Krishna wanted to come do his leela, he asked Radha, you please come with me. And Radha said, I will only go where there is Radha Kun and Govardhan and so forth. So Govardhan had to be here, otherwise Radha wouldn't come here. And another thing that I think is extremely important, well, there's another interesting thing. I don't know if you know this, but when they were, when the monkeys were building the bridge to Sri Lanka, Govardhan wanted to participate with his stones. But by the time he was ready to participate, they already built the bridge because he wanted to get Lord Ram's darshan. And he never got it. And Lord Ram said, in the next life, in the next leela, you'll be part of that Leela. So he got the blessing to be part of this Leela. And what I think is extremely significant, and we could talk a little more about it, Indra became proud more than once. And so, although there's many reasons that Krishna lifted Govardhan, one of the reasons, and Krishna does many things, of course, was one Leela, but one of the reasons is he wanted to curb the pride of Indra. And the reason he wanted to curb the pride is because pride gets in the way of a devotee's relationship with Krishna. 
And so when Krishna wants a relationship with the devotee and Krishna's merciful, he'll curb his pride. And so you'll see many times Krishna curbing the pride of his devotees because it's ruining the relationship. Isn't that interesting? So something we can meditate on and something we can remember is how pride destroys relationship. It's quite easy to understand because in our world, we don't like relationships with proud people. It's just you can't have one. It doesn't work, right? So in the same way, whenever Krishna's devotee becomes proud or dear devotee and the relationship is being contaminated, Krishna chops the pride. Now, let's take a survey. Has Krishna ever curbed your pride? Raise your hand. So, what does that mean? That means Krishna wants a relationship with you and he was, he was you could say, frustrated or concerned that pride is getting in the way of the relationship. And by his mercy, he curbed your pride. What a blessing. Yes? That means Krishna cares about the relationship. And I think this is so beautiful because pride is so difficult to overcome. Yet pride is probably, we could say, the biggest obstacle in our relationship to Krishna. And it's the thing that is the ugliest to Krishna. Maybe the most beautiful to ourselves because we love to be honored, but the most ugly to Krishna. And the thing that is so destructive to our relationship. And because Krishna cares about us, we can think, if I ever become proud, Krishna is going to come down on me sooner or later, and he's going to try to curb that pride. So that's a big lesson from this story. And um, so we know, we went to Surabhi Kunj yesterday. Not Surabhi Kunj. Where do we? Srabi Kund? Oh, yeah. Srabi Kund, yeah. <coughs> so that is the place where Indra asked for forgiveness for this huge offense he made to the residents of Vrindavan. And have you ever asked Krishna to forgive you for being proud? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, we got we got a hundred percent buy-in that Krishna curbed their pride, but about a forty percent buy-in of asking Krishna forgiveness. So the other sixty percent I would suggest you might ask Krishna for forgiveness. Now if you extend this idea, we can think of all the things that we do that Krishna doesn't like. And so we may want to be more aware of this process of forgiveness because we always think, well, I should forgive someone or forgive myself. But we may want to ask Krishna to forgive us for the many wrong things we have done. Even the wrong thoughts, please forgive me. Right? As we were saying, I think yesterday, even Bhakti Vinod Thakur said we should ask Krishna, the holy name to forgive us 
for not chanting properly. So, I think this is a beautiful idea. Krishna, I become proud, I become envious, turn my back on, please forgive me. This is part of the process. Hare Krishna. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Well, wait, 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 no, I can say something more. This is beautiful. Um, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati had three verses that he would recite in glorification of Giriraj. When he would offer Pushpanjali to Giriraj, there were three verses. Anyone know which three they are? They were three verses, one line extracted from three songs. Isn't that interesting? He just extracted one line from a song. The first verse, Govardhana Tvam Kuru Mano Ratam Purnam. And I'll just read this. Srila Rupa Goswami prayed, O Giriraj Govardhan, I have so many very confidential desires that cannot be revealed to any person besides you. I want to serve Radha Krishna, conjugal and conjugal love in your groves in many ways as the personal maidservant of Srimati Radharani. I have this hope, so please bestow your mercy upon me. So, on Saturday, Borijan Prabhu is going to take us to Giriraj, and he's going to have us talk to Giriraj. You want to come? Have you done that program with him? Uh, not yet. Maybe like well, four. Sort of oh, okay. Um, we're going to be Harvan on Saturday. He's going to maybe we'll do this at like five o'clock or so in the afternoon. If, oh, if you're interested. Okay. So he's he's going to guide us and he's going to get us to talk to Giriraj. So we see here, Rupa Goswami's talking to Giriraj. The second mantra is Nija Nikita Nivasam Dehi Govardhanatvam, and that is from a prayer by Raghunath Dos Goswami, and here's the translation. O Giriraj Govardhan, you give so many facilities to Krishna and his coward boys. You supply grasses, very beautiful sweet water, the shade of Kadamba and other trees. You fulfill the desires of the coward boys, and you give beautiful ornaments of flowers to Krishna and Radhika and to all their associates. And then... The last one, yeah, he said it's, I, I don't get the last one, I only got two. And this was taken uh, from, from another verse. Stala jala tala saspari purichat chayaya cha pratipadam anukalam hanti sambardhayan ga trijagati nijagotram sartakam so this Nija Nikita Nivasam Dehi Govardhanatram, who knows what that means? It means, oh Govardhan, please grant me residence near your side. 
You are worshipping Sri Radha and Krishna with your nice, spacious fields, ponds, streams, waterfalls, forest, fresh grass, and shade trees. And you are nourishing Sri Krishna's beloved cows, whose numbers are thus increasing at every moment. Your very name, Govardhan, Ga means cows, and Vardayati means to nourish and increase. Is successful and renowned throughout the three worlds. If I can reside near you, I will also be able to receive the darshan of my Ishtadev, Sri Krishna, who comes to you when he brings his cows to graze. Oh, and we got the third mantra. Govardhano me dishitam avishtam. That's taken from another shloka. And I'll just read this shloka and then we'll have some discussion. Itraiva Krishna vrishabhanu putriya tanam grihitam karaham ditene. Shute spriha yatra mahatyatha shri govardhane dishitam avishtam. Demanding a road tax, Krishna quarreled for several hours at Dangati with the daughter of Vrishabhanu Maharaj. Rasika Bhaktas visiting Govardhana, eager to listen to that sweet prema quarrel. May that Govardhana fulfill my desire that I, also, I can also hear that verbal battle. Hare Krishna. Is that too esoteric for you? Can I say something? Of course. I'm finished. <laughs> well, you're speaking about how uh, Lord Krishna curbs our pride. Um, in order to remove the obstacle to our uh, relationship with him, and Indra is the example of this. More than once in the Bhagavatam, and here's something else that maybe we can learn from in this regard, is uh, Krishna may surprise us in how he curbs our pride. Uh, in the case of Govardhan, who would have thought you know, that this little seven-year-old boy could lift this hill, which was a lot bigger than it is now. A lot. Uh, a lot bigger. It's said that we're actually, we're actually on Govardhan Hill right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the part that's manifest up there, but it's, anyway. Hmm. So who would have thought? Indra certainly couldn't imagine that. But also, uh, Indra, we know how Indra was humbled by Vritra, Vritrasura. Who would have thought that this horrible demon, who in the Rig Veda is described as a giant snake, would turn out to be the, the means by which Indra would be humbled. The point being that Krishna can take any and all means because he desires 
so much because he is hungry, because he is greedy for our love, uh, because, uh, what was the word we had? Glutton. Because he's a glutton <laughs> for our love. Um, he'll, he'll use any and all means, and it's good to be uh, ready for any and all ways that Krishna may humble us. Yeah, so watch out. <laughs> uh, I just want to... Should we ask him to humble us? Ooh. Well, let's take a poll. How many are you willing to ask Krishna to humble you? <laughs> yeah. I'll think about it. How many think about think it? Think about it. The other thing I wanted to mention, which uh, Madhava, Madhava, uh, Madhavananda mentioned somewhere in here, that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, because you mentioned Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur and his reciting these, as I understood, he was actually reciting the entire, um, this entire prayer, Govardhan Vasa Prartana Dashakam, of uh, Srila Raghunath Das Goswami. And he was doing this while living in Puri on, uh, I always remember, forget the name of it, there's something Parvat, Parvat, this, Parvat. this sand hill. Chakra Parvat? Chakar. Chartak. Chartak Parvat. Right. He was living there. There's an ashram there, that, and he was living there. And this was just prior to his <clears throat> going to Calcutta, where he departed the world. The point being that his attention was very much on Govardhan at the end of his life, and specifically he was expressing this, Nija Nikata Nivasam Dehi Govardhanatam. Please let me be a resident at Govardhan. And also, <clears throat> as you may know, Srila Prabhupada, he was in Vrindavan in his last weeks and days. And he expressed the desire to go on Govardhan Prikram in a bullock cart. It became a cause for great contro controversy. Devo devotees on one side said, yes, Prabhupada wants it, we have to do it. It's very simple. The guru wants, he's expressed clearly what he wants, so we should do it. And the other party said, no way, you can't, we can't do that because it'll be the end of uh, Prabhupada's life. Uh, his condition is so delicate that to put him in a, <laughs> we all know how bumpy the roads are everywhere. Now, the, the road around is pretty smooth, but it was not like that then, and just to get out here and so on. So finally, the party that said no, they won. And how that happened is another story, but the point is uh, that Prabhupada was thinking of, he wanted to come to Govardhan. There's this longing of our acharyas. 
Srila uh, Sanatan Goswami was living here, he was doing parikrama every day into, the, uh, into his 80s, apparently, and not just the parikrama like we do, but the, the wider parikrama, which takes a route um, that is uh, some 40 kilometers rather than 23. Who was doing that? Sanatan Goswami. Apparently every day, Hare Krishna. I can't do it, one, I can't even do a whole, anyway. <laughs> so there's something about this place um, and uh, the opportunity it gives us for connecting with Krishna. Um, as um, Haridasavarya and as the Lord. And here, this became a controversy, whereas the Hare Krishna movement, without our controversies, keeps us awake. Uh, so one controversy has been whether uh, Govardhan is Krishna himself, or you got to be suspicious of these ors, right? Or uh, he is... Uh, Haridasavarya, the best of the of the devotees of Hari. And of course the answer is it's both and. And the analogy I think is very nice. The analogy is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is um, Parama Purusha Bhagavan and that's not his mood, except for one or two leelas, but in general, what's his mood? His mood is he's uh, the devotee of the Lord. He is a bhakta. He is. <clears throat> so I think we can uh, find the same with, with Govardhan, Giriraj. Yes, he's Krishna, he's God, and he's also, he's in the mood of being the devotee of, of the Lord. And how he's a devotee of the Lord is indicated briefly by Shimati Radharani in the verse in the um, <clears throat> in the Gopi Gita, Hantaya Mandira Allah Haridasa Varya Yat Rama Krishna Charanas Parasha Pramodha Manang Tanoti Sago Ganayostayorya Pani Suyavasa Kandara Kandamulai. Uh, that uh, Govardhan is uh, is thrilled. Yet <clears throat> Ramakrishna Charana Sparasha Pramodha. He's Pramoda. He's thrilled um, by the touch, the Sparasha of the feet of Rama, Balarama, and Krishna. And Manang Tanoti. He's offering respect uh, to. Balaram, Krishna and Balaram, and their associates, and the cows, and he's not just offering respect, he is uh, serving them in practical ways. Paniya suyavasa kandara kandamubhai. He's offering very nice uh, water, drinking water. Apparently there were waterfalls. 
because uh, Govardhan was um, 16 miles high. That's right. That's about... 16 miles? 16. One six. One six. Yeah. That's, that's what it says in the Garga Samhita. Yeah. So there were lots of waterfalls. <laughs> it's hard to imagine, isn't it? Now, at his highest level, he's, I think they say, 80 feet higher. That's how high is the tallest mountain? How many miles? Well, yeah. Um, Everest is, what, 8,000 meters? It's around 8,000 meters which is, uh, you need 10,000 to make one kilometer, don't you? Oh, one, huh? No. A thousand meters is a kilometer? They must know. You're right. Now I, okay, my brain just went back in. A thousand meters is a kilometer. Uh, 10,000 square meters is a hectare. Whatever. So, so it's eight miles high. I knew someone was going to do this. Okay. That's Mount Everest or? Mount Everest. Five point. 5.5 miles high, and, uh, oh, and, and Giriraj is 16 m miles high. Almost three times more. <laughs> That's what the Gargit Samhita says. So, uh, oh, the point was that Govardhan is offering nice things uh, for the nourishment of the residents. And that was the point that Krishna makes, why he says, let's worship Govardhan, because he's, it's Govardhan who's giving everything we need. He's giving us water, he's giving grass, nice fresh grass for the cows. Everything we could possibly want is coming from Govardhan. So there's this sense of also, I think this is nice to remember, the sense of acknowledging abundance. The Lord is giving so much. Our tendency is to think it's never enough. Right? There's never enough. We want something more. But the, the spirit of the bridge bosses is there's so much. And let's express our appreciation for that. So they're not, it's not this motivated demigod worship kind of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a celebration. Hare Krishna. It's your turn to sing now, maybe? Well, any questions or comments before? Kirti, have a microphone.
Maharaj, I just want to ask, uh, you said Krishna is hungry for our love. So, how can we satisfy that hunger? What do you think? Oh, where's my phone? Who stole my phone? I can answer it if I can find my phone. Only if you can find your phone. Will you be able to answer Somebody, it? you know, they take care of my things, but they never give it back to me. <laughs> you have my phone? Because we don't want to leave it here. <clears throat> Hold on, I will answer it. I mean, I won't answer it. I will play the answer. understand that? What Prabhupada is saying? Could you hear it? What is the value of your things? But Krishna, I have brought you. You please accept. It is the feeling that Krishna will accept. And, and Maharaj was saying, Bhakti Vigyan was saying that Krishna was saying, why are you giving your the most valuable thing you have, your heart, to Indra. So give your heart to Krishna. Feeling Krishna, please, you accept this. We did a Japa retreat, a Japa workshop in Bangalore. I played this first, and I said, just as you offer something to Krishna, patrapushpam palamtayam, with love, offer the Mahamantra with love. It's your feeling. Can, does that answer the question? Or you want something more, more complicated? <laughs> There's a question back there. Thank you um, for the lecture. I would have two questions, if 
Possible? Maybe it's good if you stand up. Okay. Okay. A little embarrassing. Uh, yeah, my first question would be, um, how do I honestly recognize that I am proud? How do I see it? How do I recognize it? How does one recognize one's own pride? What comes to my mind is to get at this maybe from the back, from, from the side. Prabhupada has made the point probably more than once. Uh, it's good to recognize that there's always someone who is better than me at whatever it is that I think I may be qualified There's always going to be someone who is better. There will also be other persons who are less qualified. And there will be persons who are equally qualified. Uh, mm. The proud person is, is thinking, there's no one better than me at X, Y, or Z. Or maybe even there's no one better than me. <laughs> so as soon as we think that, that's a good sign that there's some pride. But there's another form of, or there's another aspect of pride that's been identified by psychologists. And that is the mood that I did it. I accomplished it. Ha! but I'm not so sure I can do it again. So there's some insecurity also. I did it, I accomplished it, but I'm not so sure I can do it again. <clears throat> there's some insecurity, there's accompanying pride, there's, uh, there's, there's a, a vulnerability. There's a sense of vulnerability, uh, which one is trying to cover with more accomplishment. I've done this and this and this and this, and the, to justify one's existence. So if we notice this kind of, some sort of anxiety like this, that could be a, a sign of, of pride, which can, can use some... Uh, Reduction. But you know, Prabhupada was very proud <laughs> of his accomplishments. But what were his accomplishments? His accomplishments were something to be proud of. Prabhupada would even brag, you know the word brag, to brag. Yaksha Movi Popolsku, to brag. Right. Pshe Chvalacha. You know, to say, oh, I've done, to make, to boast, 
to brag, to boast. Prabhupada used to boast all the time. I have so many temples. We print so many books. We make a hundred thousand dollars a month, he said once. He was speaking to people in India. We have 100 temples and we only had 10. <laughs> like that. <laughs> With 100 men in each temple and 10 bands in each temple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of exaggeration was also there. <laughs> no, but also, I always remember the very last Vyasa Puja of Srila Prabhupada in September 1977 in Bhaktivedanta Manor. I was fortunate to be present, although it was really painful to see Prabhupada in the condition he was in, because he was obviously, obviously getting ready to leave. Uh, but on that Vyasa Puja day, uh, that morning, he sat before us to receive our <coughs> worship, uh, and before we offered worship, uh, the late Tamal Krishna Goswami stood next to him and presented a kind of summary biography of Srila Prabhupada. And Srila Prabhupada, imagine you've been asked to do that in public for your spiritual master who is sitting right next to you. So he knows better than anyone his own life, and you're trying to get it right. And he did this without any preparation from what he had heard from Srila Prabhupada over the years of their association. And he would speak, and he would occasionally turn to check that Prabhupada would, you know, am I getting it right? And Prabhupada would nod. And this nodding of Prabhupada really struck me. It was a very sub, subtle kind of nodding in which it, he was indicating very clearly that he was satisfied with his life. He had fulfilled his Guru Maharaj's instruction, his mission, and he was satisfied with that. Mm. And there was a, there was a kind of <clears throat> Prabhupada speaks about pride and false pride, isn't it? So, and uh, so there's there's genuine there's a genuine basis for pride. You do something for Krishna, the devotees are pleased with your service. You can be proud of that. Just don't become overly proud, <laughs> isn't it? Well. <clears throat> Yeah, the problem with false pride is we're exhibiting this consciousness to prove that we're better. And real pride is, it, real pride is like you're humbled that I, you did something amazing. Like, how did I do that? That was Krishna's mercy on me. So, you know, when the question was asked, how do we know we're proud, I was thinking, start with the fact that everything we do is out of pride. 
and then try to ask the question, how do I become humble? <laughs> how do I know I'm being humble? And assume we're being proud because that's our condition. Um, Sometimes devotees say, when I do this, I become proud. And I say, you don't become proud. You, we are proud, and that triggered the pride to come out. But we think, I'm not proud, and that made me proud. And I say, no, it can't make you proud if the pride, if the, if the pride is not in you. It's not gonna, nothing's going to make you proud, right? So we think, oh, when I'm in this situation and people glorify me, I become proud. Not if you're a pure devotee, you don't. Because the pride's not in your heart. So, yeah, there's this need to be honored to get that gratification. But, you know, if you look at, if you look at how Prabhupada described his success, it was always, I'm not qualified, it's the mercy of my Guru Maharaj. So if you're successful and you think, mercy of Prabhupada, mercy of my Guru Maharaj, then you're humble. Or you might think, mercy of my Guru Maharaj and 40% my Shakti. <laughs> All right, you're 40% proud and 60% humble. <laughs> yeah, in, in my study of pride, as we were, we were saying how Krishna doesn't like it, because it's, you're basically competing with him for recognition. Like, it's all supposed to go to him, but you want to get some. So we did a course on humility, and we asked a question, have you ever done service which was not, which was motivated by some percentage of pride? Like, I will be recognized for this. And of course the answer is yes. And one devotee raised her hand and said, I don't think I've ever done service without that motivation. Which is pretty honest. So that's the problem. Because pure devotional service is the motivation is to please Krishna, it's not to get some attention drawn to you. Right? And I was talking with Bhadahari. Uh, a few weeks ago about kirtan and how if I'm doing kirtan, I am supposed to draw attention to Krishna and the holy name. And if I do anything to draw attention to myself, I'm corrupting the kirtan. I'm corrupting the whole process because the kirtan leader is supposed to help open the hearts of the audience and direct their attention to Krishna. And if I try to divert their attention to me by, by the way I'm performing or do something to stand out, then I've contaminated the process. Because now it's like, whoa, did you hear him? Oh, ah, 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 ah. Wow, Prabhu. So now the attention's on me and not on the holy name. So have kirtan leaders ever done that? Any honest kirtan leader will say, yes. Uh, maybe 10%, 5%, 1%, 50%, maybe sometimes 99%. That's the conditioned nature. And that is taking the honor away from Krishna and Guru and trying to get it for myself, which Prabhupada never did. 
In a sense, you could say Prabhupada had a right to take the honor, but he never did. And he always said that was Guru Maharaj's mercy. I didn't do anything. So many times he said that. Who am I? I'm speaking to scientists. I'm not a scientist. Who am I to write these books? I don't know how to write. It's all the mercy of my Guru Maharaj. That's humility. And as soon as you get the Shakti, and you think it's my Shakti when it's your Guru Shakti or Krishna Shakti, then there's no humility. Humility means it's Krishna's mercy, right? So I'm very fond of saying that Arjuna was proud in Bhagavad Gita until he shot the first arrow, and then he became humble with that shot. And why do we say that? Because when he shot that arrow, he was following Krishna's instruction. And when he didn't shoot the arrow and said, I'll become a mendicant, he was proud because he wasn't following Krishna's instruction. So that's also another example of pride. Your guru says, beat that guy up. He's disturbing the kirtan. Okay. You beat him up. You're being humble. Not, not that your guru is going to tell you that, but it could happen sometimes. Some devotees, some devotees can't wait until their guru <laughs> gives that instruction. <laughs> guru Maharaj, I can't beat him up. No, he's disturbing all the devotees. He's going to injure somebody, but I'm not being humble. No, you follow your guru, you're being humble. Right? So when Arjun shot his first arrow, that was, that was his humility. He was following Krishna. So that's another check of humility. So we were doing, uh, we're doing some exercises in the workshop, and one of the questions is, I don't think we came to this question yet, but, but in further exercises, what do you want people to believe about you? So do you, do you like right now you're sitting here, what do you want people to think about you? You want, do you want them to think? You want to ask a question and everyone will go, wow, what a question. And they'll think, yeah, I'm smart. I can ask questions. Do you mind if I quote Oscar Wilde? No, please. Oscar Wilde was a 19th century English writer, controversial guy. Uh, he once said, I'm paraphrasing, he said, <clears throat> You'd be surprised at how little anyone is thinking of you. Yeah. We spend all day thinking, what do they think of me? And he's saying, they're not thinking of you. Because <laughs> the other guy's thinking what you're thinking of him. So nobody's thinking of one another. You know the joke, when you're 20, you're always worried about what people are thinking of you. When you're mid-40s, you're sick of thinking what people are thinking of you, so you stop, and when you're 60, you realize nobody was thinking of me in the first place. <laughs> Same idea. <back. laughs> so you take this idea, what do I want people to believe about me? Do I want, them, do I want people to think I'm smart, I'm good at this? Throw a few licks on the red dunk, whoa, dude, you're good. Yeah, I'm good. You know, is that... Are you playing the Vrindaka like cool so you can show off to everybody? Or are you doing it to please Krishna? And so when you stop and think, you realize, yeah, sometimes I show up with a, a, some way I want to impress people. And so the next question we ask is, why? Which is always an interesting question to ask. Why do I need to impress people? 
And usually the answer is because either I need to be recognized by others to feel good about myself, because I doubt myself, and I need to impress others. So if you ever feel you need to impress others to feel good about yourself, so you're using pride to nourish your sense of well-being. It's more of a psychological aspect of it. And if you want to know more, we have 16 hours on a class on humility. 16 hours. 16 hours. No, it's more than 16. We didn't finish in 16. Uh, probably 25. Wow. It's basically exploring the false ego and pride. It's very interesting. Yeah. By the end of it, everyone is completely... Well, yeah. I can tell you what happens by the end. It's beautiful. Every, everyone realizes by the end that I've spent so much time pretending to be somebody I'm not to impress other people. Finally, by the end, they, they walk out and go, what a relief. I don't feel, no, I need to pretend anymore. Everyone's really relieved. It's like a, like a, it's just a burden is dropped. I don't have to, you know, I can just be myself. I don't need to impress anybody. was mentioned that the, there are a lot of pilgrims, pilgrims coming to the holy places and once I was arguing, arguing with my father and I said so many people believe in God and he told me so many people believed in uh, Adolf Hitler and I didn't know what to respond to <laughs> so maybe you can help well they believed in him for a few years and then he was finished, and that was the end of it. Um, but people have been, Prabhupada's point was people have been going to temples by the hundreds of thousands or millions um, since, you know, centuries, if not millennia. And so he was rhetorically asking, are they all fools? <laughs> and, and so, yeah, the point is, <clears throat> the British, when the British came to India, well, it was some time after they started coming, but they saw the Ratayatra of Jagannath, in Puri, and they thought this was the absolute epitome of idolatry, of what's wrong with religion. And they coined a word, uh, they coined a word, and the word is juggernaut, J-U-G-G-E-R-N-A-U-T. Juggernaut, to describe what they saw. Uh, a, a juggernaut is anything which is very powerful and cannot be avoided and which kind of destroys everything in its path. 
something like that. And it was this that, that inspired, we have our kirtaniyas here now. <laughs> How do you go? Uh, it was this which inspired the British <clears throat> parliament, or the parliament was willing to be uh, convinced by at this time, yes, therefore we need to go to India with our Christian preachers and missionize. Because up until then, until 1813, it was actually forbidden by the British uh, for Christian preachers to preach in India because they didn't want to disturb the this, this status quo. They just wanted to do business and make money. So, you know, let them, let them have their foolish religion. But when they heard about Jagannath, they thought, no, this is too much. We have to go save them. <clears throat> uh, how did I get on that subject? I don't know. You were, she was saying that... Yes. You know, Hitler believe in so many believing things. In, yeah, that so many people go to church, temples. So are they all fools? And... Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a it's not a tight logical argument as such, but it it's a kind of argument. It's uh, yeah. Isn't there some logical? It doesn't fallacy? prove the existence of God. But isn't that a logical fallacy? Just by saying some people believe in something that's going to prove that God doesn't exist? If some people believe in something... Don't believe. Don't if some people believe in the wrong thing, therefore God doesn't exist. It seems a logical fallacy. Oh, yeah. Well, but like people believe in Hitler, that means anything you believe could be wrong because people believe in Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yes. Oh, there's a question. Hare Krishna, спасибо большое за лекцию и за пример дружеских отношений. Thank you for your class uh, and examples of friendly relationships. Я бы хотела задать вопрос про дандават парикраму. То есть это авторитетный метод или это какая-то кармическая деятельность? Сделали вы это при Шриле Прабхупаде? Я хотела задать вопрос о дандават парикраме. Это авторитетный метод служения? Was it done in ISKCON in Prabhupada's time? Was it recommended by Prabhupada? I can't say anything definitive on this, but I know, I'm sure the tradition goes to much further back than Srila Prabhupada doing. Um, we know that Raghunath Das Goswami would offer, what was it, 1,000 pranams every day? A thousand? A 
thousand. To the Vaishnavas. To the Vaishnavas. Um, that's something we might ask uh, Vikram Prabhu. He's not here now. But uh, I would say it's not necessarily that Prabhupada specify every single thing that one can do in service to the Lord. Prabhupada was with us for all of uh, 11 years or 12 years, traveling the world, started establishing a movement. So sometimes devotees say, well, Prabhupada didn't say that you can do that. Well, Prabhupada didn't say a lot of things. Um, and regarding worship in general, Prabhupada did instruct, uh, this is not about Dandavat Pranam, Dandavat Parikrama, but he did instruct Yamuna Devi to go to the Radharman temple and study how they worship. In other words, Prabhupada didn't give all the details. He said, you go to them and you find out from them what they do. Uh, and uh, he gave, you know, a good number of such kinds of instructions. Um, there's a devotee uh, from Croatia who is a professor of anthropology um, who became curious about Danda, Govardhan Dandavat Parikrama. Um, he did his doctoral research before he was a professor on um, the experience of devotees and how they express their experience of uh, something higher, of joy, of ananda, of whatever it is they experience. Um, so he's an anthropologist, he interviews, he asks people. Um, but there's a thing called participant, uh, what is it? Participant uh, observ observation, participant observation, where the uh, anthropologist ethnographer will go to a group of people and take part in what they do, get involved and experience it, and also ask people. So he became fascinated by Dandavat Prekram, so he decided to do it himself. And uh, he did it twice, uh, first time just partial, but more recently he's done a, a full Dandavat Prekram of Govardhan, and uh, he's written an article about it. Um, he's also interviewed people about it, so I'm looking forward to reading that. Oh, um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, I'm just looking now at Ritya Kishori. She has planned for us, maybe tomorrow evening, um, a short drama, or is it a dramatic reading? Drama. It's more of a drama. Okay. 
so that might be something we could do tomorrow evening. I don't know. We're going to be at... Oh, you're going to be at... From 5 to 7, we'll be... Where are we going to be? What's Go to Tandava Parikram. Chandra? Chakra? Chandra. Chandra Saro. Chandra Sarovara. Right. Okay. That's Want to do your play there? Yeah. So, can I suggest we end here? Yes. This mode and shift, and some devotees in our group uh, may want to go for prasadam. I don't know what is your group doing. You don't. No, they can go if they want, or they can stay you never, if they want. You never eat. No, it takes too much transcendental time. Transcendental to eating. Why bother? It takes too much time. We kind yeah. of gave that up a few days just, ago. Just gave up eating. You drink water. It's great. Once, you don't have to sleep three. much. And you don't have to go to the bathroom. So yeah. It's been good for us. Just drink water th once every three days. Yes. Cool. <laughs> Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Go Brahmanandi. Go.